Downtown Productions in cooperation with Zone Radio presents Downtown, the podcast. From the historic Zone Radio studios, here's your host, Rich Kimball. That is true, all of it. I am Rich Kimball. He is Kerry Haskell right there across from me. And this is Downtown, the podcast brought to you by Cross Insurance, where security meets strength. We welcome you in to, well, a big round number. This week is episode number 200. They said it would never happen. That's a lot of shows. It sure is. A lot of people we've talked to over the course of those previous 199 episodes. And, well, we thought if we're going to do a 200th episode, we need well, we need some talent. Not that we don't always have talent, but we need some names. We got them this week in the second half of the program. A talented musician, a radio host. He has done it all and has literally played with everybody through the years. We're talking about Kasim Sultan, terrific bassist, keyboardist, vocalist. He was the lead vocalist for Utopia, Todd Rundgren's band, and has, has played with just about everybody around. There's a new podcast, a fictionalized version of his life called Unsung. He also hosts the radio show, It's My World, and welcome to it. And we'll talk about all that and more with Kasim in the second half. But up front this week, a pretty talented duo as well. Two brothers, the older brother and Emmy award-winning composer who has written the scores for dozens of television shows and films. The younger brother, an award-winning actor who has appeared in countless TV shows, films, and stage appearances as well. Together, they are a talented musical group. Been recording and performing live for more than 25 years now. And they bring their tour to the state of Maine and other locales starting in the month of April. Their latest album is called The Way We Love. You know them best, perhaps, as Michael Bacon and Kevin Bacon, the Bacon Brothers. And we had a wonderful time talking with them here on Downtown. Well, guys, thank you so much. It's great to have you on with us uh, this afternoon, getting back on the road uh, here for the month of April, coming to Maine on April 15th to the Stone Mountain Arts Center in Brownfield. Uh, Michael, how long has it been since you guys have been out on the road? We were trying to figure that out. Um, definitely we haven't been on actually on the road for probably two and a half years, something like that. Um, my memory is that we had a tour ready to go uh, two summers ago, and that was canceled. Um, and we played a couple of one-offs here and there. Um, but this, this, as far as being on the road, no, this is this is definitely um, the first time in a very long time. Kevin, does a performing live like this uh, scratch a different creative itch than doing film or television work, where you, you don't get that immediate reaction? Uh, yeah, I mean, listen, I I, I love to perform live, I, it's a little bit more akin to uh, doing live theater, which was where I really started out. Um, and uh, it, it is, uh, you know, I mean, it's, it's all the cliches, you know, the audience feedback, the, the immediacy, the, um, the, 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 it's, it's a feeling that uh, for that night, it's never going to be exactly like that again. And that you're able to take that one moment and share it with this group of people who are sitting there in the dark. I'll ask the older brother this. Uh, you guys have avoided the pitfalls of some other famous brother acts through the years. Uh, how much of this, Michael, has to do with your upbringing in Philadelphia and having six kids all under one roof? I think that has a lot to do with it. I mean, we had to we had to get along. We, we were brought up in a very small house, and um, 
we were pretty much, it was, let's see, it was five stories high, but it was about 15 feet wide. And uh, we were all, we were all in there. And uh, luckily when Kevin came around, some of our eldest sisters were already out of the house, you know, college and stuff like that. But we were still, uh, we're a very close family and we still remain a very close family. And, uh, you know, if we have things, we figure out how to work it out. And um, we, we share, a, uh, you know, a bond of having, you know, when you have a band, it's, not only all the musical connections, but, you know, it's a business. And it's um, having a business with one sibling is uh, really a, a plus because there's a, there's a sense of trust that no matter what um, doesn't exist if you go into business with someone who's not a, not a relative. So, um, yeah, that, it's, all, it's all worked out well. I mean, we 27 years, and I think this is our 12th, 12th uh, release, something like that, and... Um, Proof is pudding. So, Kevin, all this time, uh, 27 years, were there people who initially, maybe without even giving it a chance, dismissed the music because of your success as an actor? Uh, there still are. I mean, I, I think that's <laughs> sure. <laughs> yeah. I, I listen, I, I, I think that's just, uh, that's just the name of the game. And I, and I didn't I didn't personally go into it thinking, oh, I, that was not a surprise to me. Because I know that, you know, I, I do the same thing. I'm... I'm Sorry to say, I hear about an actor as a band. I'm kind of like, oh, really? Okay, well, let's see how this is. Uh, I think there's just a fundamental kind of uh, um, resistance to that idea because we have we we really put our musicians uh, in this culture really on such a pedestal, you know, and 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 we also feel like what they do is so magical and unattainable that the idea that somebody would just go and that does something else, you know, well or has had a career. I think there's an element of kind of resentment about it, you know. Uh, I don't think it really cuts the other way, I might say. I think that people are pretty supportive of musicians who um, want to act. And I think I personally feel that most people think acting is easy and music is hard. <laughs> We're talking with the Bacon Brothers here on Downtown. The most recent album, The Way We Love, is is so good. It's a terrific showcase for your skills and for your love of, of lots of different styles of music, well, I, what we would call for a Soko, if I if I got that right, you pronounce it perfectly. Excellent. <laughs> One of the rare times we hear it pronounced. <laughs> now you guys usually write separately, Michael, but I understand uh, the uh, wonderful collaboration on the album uh, "Mama Pop Culture." Well, was let's just say a delayed collaboration. Well, the, that's that's an interesting one that you um, that you brought up. Is I wrote the lyric, and I knew that. If I if I took on writing the music for it, it wouldn't wouldn't be what I wanted it to be, because I wanted it to be kind of uh, ghastly and and just raw. So I sent it over to Kevin and uh, didn't hear anything for about six months. And uh, yeah, as you said, delayed reaction. And all of a sudden, one day there there the song was. And um, I can't figure out how to play it live. In fact, I'm gonna work on that today and see if there's any way I could cobble something together for it. Because one thing is, that's really neat is Kevin wrote this wonderful song called Arado, which is a little bit like mama pop culture in that it's about this female figure who is denying access to something. Uh, in Arado's case, it's, it's, um, uh, the, the songwriter is trying to get her to bless 
um, the artistic pursuit of writing songs and make stuff easy because it hasn't been um, easy. And you know, you need you need the muse. You need the muse. It's as simple as that. Um, whereas Mama Pop culture is is somewhat related in that it's a um, ambivalent feeling towards what one must do when you're in the entertainment business and um, the being uh, a famous musician is or rock star is you, you have to have that desire I mean otherwise where's your motor going to be and so it, it's always going to be something I'm trying to attain but um, there's a lot of stuff about it that that is not comfortable for me. Um, you know, when I, was, when I first started performing, I was painfully shy. I mean, beyond shy. And uh, I had to learn how to do it and I had to learn how to get up in front of people and put that away and come up with something else. So there's, there's um, the, the song really, I'm really happy with the way it came out because it's definitely a very personal statement about uh, my relationship with my career. Picker is a terrific song, too, and, and you explain uh, that Kevin wrote this about uh, you growing up as a young guy in Philadelphia, falling in love uh, with music, but as you mentioned, he wasn't around. You're nine years older than him, so how did the little brother do telling your story? Well, the um, this song is, that you're speaking about is called um, Picker, and yeah, in fact, he did another song. Was that song on our last album called... Um, British Invasion. I'm, yeah, that's on, that's on the new one, and it's fantastic. Yeah, that's on the new one, right. And that's kind of the yeah. same thing. It's, you know, I, I've, sometimes I tell, you know, we're sitting around and uh, having dinner or whatever, and I tell Kevin these stories of childhood, and I, you know, I don't realize that it makes his gears turn. It's really fun to see his interpretation of, of, um, of my life before, he, pretty much before he was born or when he was very young. Careful what you say. <laughs> I know it. I, I love Corona Tune. Uh, you, you and I are the same age, so everybody's sort of going through this same thing right now. And, man, it's just so powerful. I love the lyrics. I believe when we're gone, we're gone. I take comfort. They can't see what's going on. It's something so many of us can relate to these days. Yeah, you know, I, I, I didn't. There was a lot of talk about during the pandemic that everyone was having these kind of creative blooms, and and I mean when we first went into lockdown, and and I, and you know I I didn't for a, for a while, you know I was just kind of like I don't know focusing on uh, you know get, getting through the day and and uh, you know uh, wiping down my vegetables with alcohol, you know, and <laughs> you know all this. Everything else that everybody was, and then that song just kind of popped out. I mean, it's it's funny because it's called Corona Tune, and you know, I like, like the joke that it sounds like a like a uh, you know like a country song that'd be like you know you know uh, you know floating down and you know on a on a rubber raft drinking beer on a on a river, you know. I mean, but it's but it's actually about the about the virus. But I I was you know I was thinking about my parents, and and they're both gone, and and uh, it was. That was basically the sentiment. I, I just, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm glad they're not checking this out because it, it would have been very hard for them. Uh, the title song, The Way We Love, is, is so good. The video you guys did at the Grand Ole Opry is terrific as well. And I just love the message. I feel like it's, it's a love song for real people. Yeah, that's what it is. I was thinking of you the other day, Michael, when I read the news about uh, the discovery of Ernest Shackleton's 
uh, endurance uh, because right. you Isn't you would, that amazing yeah and you had written the the score for the Nova episode about that what what an incredible story yeah so I didn't realize it I didn't, I didn't realize it you, so the, the did you see the thing at the times it's the pic the boat is just almost perfectly in in intact it's really kind it's of incredible startling but but the Nova the Nova that you did that was about the search for it that wasn't obviously about the discovery right. No, this is a long time ago. Yeah, this was a long time ago. Okay. Yeah. Okay. All right. Michael, yeah, what's amazing story? What's the key to composing a score that that helps a filmmaker tell a largely visual story? Well, the the key to uh, and I teach film scoring, so I can uh, I can go on for hours about this. But the um, film scoring is is less about the music that you write, though obviously that's important, and more about getting an understanding of how the music that you write affects the person that has hired you to enhance their film. So um, what I'm very lucky is I've been doing it for so long and I've had and continue to have um, conversations with directors and producers um, about music and how it affects them. And I've become really pretty expert at listening to people talk who know nothing about music but love it and find it incredibly important and knowing how to interpret that and then put it through my 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 uh, oral lens of composition and know kind of I just get a feeling of what they're looking for and um, once you understand that then it's then you go into your actual composition and it's just much easier but it's it's a it's always going to be I was just I was just um, I saw an interview with, with Danny Elfman, and um, there's a thing called a temp score that um, where they what they call temp the music that they never can use, and when the composer gets the film, it already has all this music in it that has to be replaced. And even at the level of Danny Elfman and John Williams, it's still you know a really difficult thing because people fall in love with the music. It becomes part of the, the film, and they see it with the film for you know, a year while they're editing. And then all of a sudden you come in and you drop something in that's different. It's just, it's, uh, it's always difficult. And avoiding those kinds of things is um, a big part of, of being a film composer. Kevin, I saw on social media, you're filming the new season of City on a Hill. We're looking forward to that. But I, I love the short film that you and Kira did. Uh, can you talk a little bit about Until? Uh, yeah, um, we shot it, uh, you know, during uh, the clearly during the pandemic, uh, we just kind of went. You know, uh, let's 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 do this. Um, we got a couple of you know, the, we were using the iPhone 11 Pros. Uh, grabbed a, some some cheap lights on Amazon. We uh, shot the whole thing ourselves and operated it and did the set decoration and wrote it and. and uh, you know, starting it. Uh, our son uh, Travis wrote the music for it. Um, it was kind of about you know uh, loss and uh, dealing with loss. Obviously, we were reading a lot about that. People that were losing, people that were close to. Uh, you know, we had people that we knew that died, and and so yeah. I mean, that was uh, just a way of uh, you know our way of you know, doing what we know how to do, which is make movies and just kind of working, working our way through it. And also, you know, giving us something to, to, you know, to focus on really. I mean, I think that, that you, I think a lot of us needed just 
something to focus on rather than, you know, staring at our shoes. We've had the pleasure on our show of, of talking with uh, Paul Reiser, Steve Gutenberg, Michael Tucker about one of my favorite movies all time. Can you talk a bit about the experience of, of making a diner with Barry Levinson and that great cast? Well, it was a great experience. Um, you know, I've made a lot of movies, and then there's a few that you really just hold on to, and you hold on to the memories, and, and, and that was one of a handful. Uh, all of the guys, we were all at a certain point in our lives. I think we're coming up on the, what would it be, the 40th anniversary, I think, right. something like that this this, this year. Um, you know, I, I have a tremendous amount of fondness for those guys. In fact, um, we all reconnected uh, during the pandemic. Uh, somebody, I can't remember who, who generated this, said, you know, let's just, can we just be like, get together and we did um you know i i went i actually went up to my attic happened to be up in my attic one of the many things that i was doing is cleaning um things out you know and uh found this box and found a whole bunch of i obviously had, had a polaroid camera on me when we were doing the movie and i found all these funny you know uh behind the scenes pictures of us that i snapped on a polaroid that were fading and and you know yellowed and curling and uh i i, I took pictures of them with my iPhone and sent them around to all the guys. And they, you know, we were like, Oh, who's that? Oh, you remember that guy? And, uh, I have a deep, deep fondness of making that movie. Guys, thank you so much. I love the new album. Uh, looking forward to seeing you when you come to Maine in April, have a great time oh, yeah. out on the I can't road wait to get to Maine. That's going to be awesome. Well, thank you so much for making time for us this afternoon. Uh, be safe out there and hopefully we'll talk to you again down the road. Sounds good. Thanks for Thanks, Thank Fun stuff with the Bacon Brothers, Michael and Kevin, with us on downtown. Now check out their website for more information on their tour and to see if they're playing a, a city near you. We are so looking forward to trekking on down to Brownfield, Carrie, to see the Bacon Brothers doing their thing. I'm really looking forward to it. Uh, listen to their music, but I have never had a chance to see them live, so I'm, this is, this is going to be a lot of fun. Absolutely, yeah. When we come back up, more music talk. Kasim Sultan discussing the new podcast based on his life and more after this quick word from our friends at Cross Insurance. Since its founding in 1954, Cross Insurance has grown from a small family-owned agency that started in Bangor, Maine, into one of the largest super regional insurance agencies in New England. With a network of offices throughout New England, Cross Insurance works with top carriers to provide maximum value to you, your family, and your business. We are proud to be the official insurance broker of the New England Patriots and would welcome the chance to provide security for your team. For more information, visit CrossInsurance.com. Cross Insurance, where security meets strength. of our next guest on downtown, Kasim Sultan, talented musician and singer. He was the lead vocalist of Todd Rundgren's Utopia and has worked with Todd on a number of projects through the years. 
has also toured with Blue Oyster Cult, Meatloaf, Hollow Notes, Cheap Trick, Patty Smythe, Richie Sambora, The Indigo Girls, and more. There's a new podcast out based on his life, a fictionalized version called Unsung. He's also the host of a terrific radio show, It's My World, and welcome to it. Here's Kasim Sultan on Downtown. Thank you for uh, having me, Rick. How are you? I'm doing very well, thank you. How are you today? Good. Uh, a little crazed in the middle <laughs> of uh, shows, but, uh, you know, the life of a musician, is, I'm good. Actually, I'm good. Well, great. Well, we're looking forward to hearing the podcast. Uh, we love uh, It's My World and Welcome to It. It airs on our sister station here. You know, um, I have to tell you, I am so grateful that I, I actually have a radio show. I grew up in uh, listening to radio when I was a kid and, uh, of course, all the time. And to have my own radio show at this point in my life is just it's such a, it's such a thrill. I, I, I really have to tell you that. Well, we'll come back to the radio show in a little bit, but let's talk sure. about the Unsung Podcast. What's the advantage of uh, doing a fictionalized story of your life? <laughs> well, no no one can point a finger at me, <laughs> at least not in my family, and say that I'm not happy with that because it's fictionalized. It's loosely based on my life. And, uh, and, and the last thing I want to do is get in trouble with my family. <laughs> How many people through the years have said to you, Cassim, you got such a, a great life story. You got to turn that into a, a book or a movie or something like that. I, it, not a day goes by when someone doesn't say that to me, whether they're, they're a friend or they're actually they're in, um, in the music industry. But someone always thinks that, you know, oh, you're, your story would make a great book. Or a great uh, a great TV show, or but uh, you know I I, I kind of I, I don't know if that's true or not. So I think that's part of the reason that I, I'm trying out this podcast to see. Uh, I, I'm sure that that it, it you know it will resonate with a bunch of the fans. It's just a question of whether it, it translates into you know mass appeal across the board. Well, reading the storyline for it, uh, it, it clearly. Uh talks about the, the struggles that it's like for a touring musician to try and balance having a family life. Yeah, you know, I mean, that rings so true for me because when I was growing, when I was growing up, I, I, I started my, my official uh, professional career at the age of, uh, of 20. That's when I got uh, my first real gig. Um, and, uh, and then I got married about three or four years after that. I married my, my high school sweetheart, and we started having children. And that was a very, very busy time for me. Uh, um, I, one, of the, one of the things that I'll never forget is that uh, we had, uh, right after we got married, we, um, we booked a, a two-week vacation in Maui as our honeymoon. And about three days before we were supposed to leave for, uh, for our honeymoon, there was a Utopia tour that came up, and we had to cancel our plans. <laughs> and we ne we never got to Hawaii. I felt so bad for my wife, but we never got to Hawaii. We wound up in Bermuda for about five days. <laughs> so so it's always a compromise. That that's just what happens when you're a working musician, you know. Is it kind of a double life where you're, hey, I'm a rock star by night, but then uh, you know I got to go back because there's a there's a leaky toilet in the house somewhere. It, so funny that you should say that because one of the things that uh, that I when we were talking about this uh, the, the podcast when we were putting everything together for the show I, I, I said you know it's the juxtaposition 
between, you know, living a, a, a life of private jets and tour buses and screaming crowds and playing in front of 10,000 people and having, you know, somebody bring you your food to your hotel room and make sure that you get on the bus or on, in the limousine on time. And then you get off the, uh, off the private jet to take a, a car home. And on the way, you get a phone call saying, don't forget the dog has to go out. The pails go out tonight. The garbage goes out. And we need milk. <laughs> so stop at the store on your way home. <laughs> What's the biggest challenge of trying to maintain some semblance of normalcy in your private life when you're traveling the world and, and certainly living a very different lifestyle professionally? I've been very, very lucky in, in, this, in the sense that I'm, uh, and I'm not trying to pat myself on the back or toot my own horn. I, I don't do that. Um, but I, I managed to, uh, to go, um, you know, I'm, I'm free to go wherever I, I like without getting uh, um, hassled too much. Um, unfortunately, you know, the, the, the more success you have in this business, the more people want to be around you, the more people want to talk to you and, and ask you questions and be in your orbit. Um, most recently, we were, uh, we, uh, I played a, a show with Todd Rundgren in, um, in Los Angeles, and Ringo, Ringo Starr came to the show, uh, and he couldn't, he couldn't enter the venue until the lights were down, and he had to leave before the lights came up. Otherwise, he would just get you know, inundated with mm. people wanting his autograph, wanting to take a picture with him. Now, granted, that's a Beatle, and there aren't very many Beatles left, <laughs> but it's just a, a, a small indication of what, uh, what someone has to deal with when they have a, a, a huge amount of success. Uh, looking forward to the Unsung Podcast, and, and along with obviously a great story to tell, uh, the producers have assembled a terrific cast of voice acting talent. Yeah, um, I am very, very pleased with the actors that we had when we were doing the episodes. It was just, it was so great listening to uh, to actors bring the scripts to life, and uh, they did a fantastic job, all of them. Um, so, you know, you're, you're always have, you have a, a, a vision in your mind's eye about what it's going to sound like. And then the actual reading of the script and when you're recording it is usually kind of like that, but it's always, there's always a new page. There's always something different that an actor will bring to the character, which is really, really cool. We're talking with Kasim Sultan here on downtown, the unsung podcast dropping today, March 15th. Let's talk about the wonderful radio show more. It airs on our sister station here, WZLO. It's my world and welcome to it. It, it really is uh, letting us behind the curtain into a glimpse of that other life. You know, um, uh, like I said at the beginning of, uh, of our talk, I, uh, I'm so grateful to have, uh, to have a, a radio show and to be on in a few markets is just, it's just fantastic. It gives me a chance to to play music that I really love and that I can I, I always try to play some new stuff that people haven't heard yet or maybe not might not be familiar with and I'm 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 always turning people on to new music. We have a little chat room uh every uh, for every show that I do. I go into a chat room and chat with some of the fans about the music that I'm playing and it, it's just really community oriented uh 
uh, radio and I tell some stories and, and, and relate some experiences that I've had over the years in the music industry. And it's just an hour of really, really great music. It is indeed, absolutely. And you, you know everybody, you've played seemingly with everybody in the business, but uh, probably the longest professional relationship has been that association with Todd Rundgren, uh, with Utopia yes. Forever. You were the lead vocalist on one of my favorite songs of the 1980s, Set Me Free, just a, a great song. How have you and Todd been able to work uh, so well for so long together? What's the key? Well, I think, um, you know, I kind of, uh, uh, when, when we were in a band together, it, it's a little different being in a band with someone than it is uh, um, being uh, kind of a sideman with him. So uh, I always acquiesce when I'm working with Todd in a sideman uh, situation. It's his band, and I'm there to, to help him realize a, a, a really great show and a wonderful show for the audience. And then when we uh, when when we do work together in a band situation, it's uh, it, it's it's equal an equal partnership, and I get the chance to you know bounce ideas off of him. But uh, Todd has you know it, it, over the years he's created a a, a real uh, such a a, a a broad audience, and and there's just so much music from his career that. Uh, I, I'm just I'm honored to still be uh, working with him after all these years. I was a big fan of Meatloaf, and we've been fortunate uh, in recent months to talk with a couple of people who worked with him, Desmond Child and Ellen uh -huh. Foley. Uh, you were with him yeah. uh, for 10 years as his musical director. What was that? What was that ride like being with Meatloaf? You know, I, I love Meat. He's, he's a wonderful, wonderful guy and, and really, really passionate about what he does. His meets whole uh, his whole reason in life was to was to entertain an audience, and those the seventeen years that I spent with him in his live band, I have never seen anyone uh, 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 take an audience in the palm of his hand and just control them for two hours plus. Um, he knew exactly what to do, and and just he was just he was amazing, amazing, amazing artist. You know, and, and always, always gave 110%. You also uh, did a terrific project uh, with a friend of our show, Paul Williams. Can you talk a little bit about uh, what you guys did back in uh, 2015, creating a, well, a crowdsourced anthem? So uh, that was a very, very interesting project that I was involved with. I, I, it's no secret that uh, I am uh, I'm fortunate enough, fortunate enough to be in uh, long-term recovery um, uh, in, in in this country a lot of there's a lot of stigma attached to, uh, to to recovering from substance abuse but I am uh, I'm 32 years sober and uh, and I was contacted by a, a guy by the name of Greg Williams um, who was putting together uh, a, a concert on the mall in Washington, D.C., to raise awareness for long-term addiction in, uh, in this country and long-term recovery. Um, and uh, really important, Paul is, uh, it, the, the, just the simple fact that I was working with Paul Williams was, just, <laughs> I, I really had to pinch myself. He, was, he is the most wonderful, wonderful guy in the whole world, a brilliant songwriter. And, um, it, you know, it, it, it was just, it was a really, really great project to bring people in from the recovery community to help write a, an anthem 
to uh, to accompany us uh, for the the show that we did on the mall in Washington D.C. in 2014. We actually did a, a version of it on the Dr. Oz show, which was really right. cool, which I, I, I really loved doing. You have you played with so many people through the years, and that always requires a, a unique skill set to be able to get along with everybody. How much of that came from those lessons your dad taught you about uh, playing well with others and, and being a professional? You know, um, it, it, it's kind of something that, that I, I don't know that it, 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 it's like that book, uh, Everything I Know uh, I Learned in Kindergarten. You know, <laughs> it's so it, it, there's, there's a certain level of, uh, you know what's right, you know what's wrong, and uh, you, you got to take that into your professional life. And you try to be as uh, as amenable as possible to any situation that, that comes up. Sure, there's going to be frustrations along the way. There's going to be bumps in the road and, and, and hiccups here and there. But, uh, but it, you really need to keep a positive attitude and to always show up prepared and and with a smile on your face, no matter what is going on in your life outside of the situation of a work situation, you always have to have a smile on your face and be ready to give 110 percent. Like, uh, I don't know how many musicians we've talked to through the years. You'll never forget February 9th, 1964. You've described it as your lightning bolt moment. Yes. So so I was my, a couple of weeks before their, their single drop. Um, I want to hold your hand. And my dad brought, uh, brought it home, brought the single home and played. I, I'll never forget. I was sitting on my kitchen floor and I played the, uh, uh, both at the A side. I want to hold your hand. The B side saw her standing there. And I was like, wow, this is like, these guys are like aliens. What kind of music is this? <laughs> and then two weeks later, they, uh, they did the Ed Sullivan show. And we all sat around the, the, the television, my, my mom and dad and me and my sister. And I was just, it was a lightning bolt that just struck me. And I just said, that's what I want to do. That's what I want to do in my life. Well, everybody else that I was growing up with at the time, you know, became a fireman, a doctor, uh, a, a lawyer, a, a policeman, which is wonderful. And, but for me, I knew at that point in my life that I was going to have a, a life in, in the music business come hell or high water. And here you are still doing it all these years later. You released a new solo album uh, last year. Along with that and, and the podcast and the radio show, what other projects have you got going for the year ahead? Well, I'm actually on the road right now with my Cats and Sultans Utopia band. Uh, we are playing in St. Charles, Illinois tonight. Tomorrow night is Cincinnati. Uh, I get to go home after that for a little bit, and then I start another tour um, at the end of uh, April. Uh, it's called The Gilmore Project. We're, we're playing music celebrating 50 years of Dark Side of the Moon and uh, music from Pink Floyd. I'll do that for uh, about a month and a half, and then I start a, a Todd Rundgren tour uh, in July. Um, we have some more Cats and Salt and Utopia shows in, uh, at the very end of July, and then I think I need to take a little vacation after that. <laughs> well, that's uh, wonderful to hear indeed. Hey, we're so excited that you're out there making great music still. I've enjoyed your work for a long, long time. We love It's My World and welcome to it and can't wait to hear the Unsung Podcast. Uh, Kasim, thank you so much for being with us. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate being here. A whole lot of fun talking with the multi-talented Kasim Sultan.
here on Downtown, the podcast. Our thanks to Kasim, thanks to the Bacon Brothers, Kevin and Michael, and thanks to you for joining us this week as well for episode number 200. All goes well, and if my math is good, we'll be back next week for episode number 201. That is how it goes. And that is the extent of my math ability right there. (laughs) Have a good week. We'll see you next time right here on Downtown.